0: Uh, So we are in our series in Mark. We are in our third week of the series. This series in Mark is corresponding with what we're doing in our life groups. So in our life groups right now, we're going through every single book of the Bible kind of as a survey. And so Mark's going to be one of those books we're going through this month. So we decided we're going to preach a series in a book that we're also learning about here in our life groups. In Mark, we're looking at a lot of different big passages, a lot of the, the big deal things. And today I want to talk about something we don't actually talk too much about here at Element Church. We're going to talk about the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. See, I know that from DC Talk, not the song it's actually from. Um, I'll tell you. Some of you get that. Some of you don't. If you don't get that, that's perfectly fine. But today's message is titled, It's Not Over Till It's Over. That's true with so many, so many things in life, right? It's not over till it's over. We've got to push through. We've got to get through things. But Jesus, in the book of Mark, there's a portion of it where he's talking about, and his disciples are asking him questions about, hey, when's all this end stuff going to happen? Like, we're in the middle of God's story. When does God's story come to an end? Because if you've ever read a kid's book, like I've read much more in the last four days than I've ever read in my entire thinking life, At the end, you know, it doesn't say it. You look at the kid and you go, the end. The story's over. Go to bed. So the disciples are asking Jesus, Jesus, when's the end? When is it over? When do we have a conclusion where God has totally won, evil is totally defeated, and everything that was set wrong back in the very beginning? is set right again. And Jesus here is going to give them kind of an interesting answer. We're going to, we're going to read the passage in a minute. But I think this is addressing a lot of the, the bigger questions we ask as people. Right? Some of the bigger questions, we're, we really want to know when, when it's all going to be wrapped up. What do we expect? We don't like uncertainty very much. We would really like to know what happens next. And usually, when we're like, hey, God, what's next? That still, small voice whispers in our ear, wait. Wait and see. Wait and see that the Lord is good. But the disciples are just like us. We're not really usually okay with that answer. We want details. And so the disciples kind of are talking to Jesus. They ask him this question. If you want to follow along today... You, and I know we say this a lot, but you go to elementlife.com and you tap on message notes, you're going to see notes for today's message. You can add your own, you can email them to yourself. We're also going to have those on the screens for you, and they'll be available at Element Life later if you want to look them up. But we're going to start in Mark 13 verses five through six. and Jesus here is speaking, and it says, "Jesus said to them, "Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming." I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, probably Southern California, and famines. These are the beginning of birth pain. So Jesus is, set, is kind of summarizing all of this stuff, and he's like, "By the way, you got to be careful because this is what this is kind of going to look like." He doesn't give him like a play-by-play detail. You know, there's some people who, especially read the Book of Revelation, think they've come up with a play-by-play detail about how the world's going to end. Usually, they're wrong, or they guess too early. We'll talk about that later. But Jesus is. Kind of summarizing all this, and he's kind of saying here, we'll get into this, but he's saying, the things that you think are the signs of the end probably are not. They probably are not what you think. And so Jesus starts by telling them, watch out that no one deceives you. Because this happens in life, right? There are a lot of people out there with a lot of opinions. kind of a colorful saying that I like. I'll tone it down. Some people say that opinions are like bad breath. Everyone has it and they all stink. Right? That's how that goes? Thank you. Watch out that no one deceives you because there are going to be people that are going to try. And so Jesus is saying, watch out that no one deceives you because I'm going to tell you all this stuff that we're going to go into. If it doesn't line up with what I'm telling you, they're deceiving you. And he, has, he tells us to watch out, which tells me, and this is the first thing on our notes today, that not all deceivers are always going to be super obvious. If we have to watch out for deception, that might mean that sometimes deception isn't easy to spot at a first glance. And Jesus says, hey, by the way, you got to watch out, so I'm going to help you watch out. Jesus is good like that. It's like, I'm going to help you watch out. Watch out that no one deceives you, and now I'm going to give you kind of a, a litmus test. I'm going to give you a list of things to look out for to let you know if people are deceiving you. I'm going to give you the, the big ideas of the apocalypse. That's fun to say. The big ideas of the apocalypse. And so Jesus is, letting, is kind of giving us some big stuff here. He's, bas- he's letting us know that is there isn't just a sort of a spiritual kind of mystical, de- mystical deception, but there's going to be physical people who are going to do stuff and that are going to say things that are contrary to what God has said about the end of the world. You know, I, I didn't have time, I wish I would have, to go through in my lifetime how many times the end of the world was supposed to have happened. It's a lot. Every year it appears the world is going to end. Seems like we have some deceivers to watch out for. So in verse 6, Jesus goes on, he says, "Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many." This is really a really packed little sentence here. Many are going to come They're going to come saying that they're Jesus' people. They're going to claim, I am he. They will deceive many. I am here, that's very significant. They're going to say, I am he. And Jesus is alluding to the idea that I am is the name of God in the Old Testament. If you go back to the book of Exodus, way back toward the beginning of your Bible, a story about a dude named Moses. I think most of us have heard of Moses. If you haven't, he was, one of, he was the first person who brought the Jewish people out of Egypt and started them into the, on the path to the promised land. And he encounters a burning bush. And God it, it describes himself as, as, I am to Moses. And Jesus uses this on purpose, saying, people are going to come in Jesus' name, giving, ascribing to themselves some aspect of the divine nature. And deceive many. And if I had a lot of time and no one wanted to go to lunch, I could kind of lay out to you 2,000 years of people doing this. Of, of claiming divinity for themselves and taking God's people and deceiving them. Cults and crazies and sometimes well-intentioned people. But the question here is is these people are coming in Jesus name claiming to speak for God in some way. And what we have to determine is if someone is claiming to speak in Jesus' name are they preaching something other than the gospel? The gospel that Jesus the son of God all God all man came to earth physically and lived a sinless life. And then voluntarily went to the cross to die for our sins. And more than just death, Jesus proved He was God when He rose from the dead, never dying again, ascending into heaven, seated at the right hand of God. So that all of us who believe in Him, who call on His name as Lord and Savior, can be born again and have eternal life, and eternal life starting right now, this instant. That's some good news. I love I I any time I just get to lay that out. Because I've gone from death to life, and that's the people who are speaking for Jesus, who declare his gospel. But if it's anything else, then maybe they're a deceiver. And by the way, if anyone says they are God, they're a deceiver. We can, we can put that right if that, I Hey, if, if I came up to you next week and I was like, you know, uh, this week, uh, Jesus manifested himself in me, and now I am Jesus, and people have done this. It sounds crazy. People have followed people who have said this. If I say that, I am a deceiver, and you need to kick me out of the church. <laughs> I'm not Jesus, and if I come and claim it, I'm Jesus, uh, I probably need a mental health evaluation. Uh I need help at that point. I am not God. And Jesus tells us to expect many of these people. And sometimes we get surprised by it. Crazy. So verse 7 goes on. Jesus has laid out, hey, there's some people who are gonna try to deceive you. And he says, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Do not. Do not. Can I be clear about that? Okay, we'll keep going. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Living by faith instead of fear is the constant choice that we have to make as Christians. Living by faith. Because Jesus tells us that we hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. But usually, when we hear of wars, we hear of rumors of wars, especially in, I don't know, the Middle East, a million of these deceivers will crop up and start trying to make us afraid because this is going to set off Armageddon. So we need to be afraid. We need to, be, we, we, we need to do whatever they tell us to do. We need to send them $20 so we can get a blessing. We need to be afraid. Antichrist. Because Jesus tells us, do not be alarmed. And all these people, again, like how many times have we heard about the apocalypse? My favorite, my favorite, my favorite from my childhood is 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. You can still buy the book! Because fear sells. One wonder why a lot of people capitalize on fear and the apocalypse, and they do it because fear sells. There's another guy, and I won't name his name, but you may, you may have heard of him, you'll know what I'm talking about, who his big shtick is oh, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, the apocalypse is happening, and since Jesus somehow isn't going to take care of you, you need to buy a buckets of apocalypse food. Now I'm not saying don't be prepared for emergencies. Can I be clear? There there buckets of desiccated food in case something goes horribly wrong is is not a bad idea to own. Or canned goods or you know having some extra water in case something like be be prepared. Like it's okay to be prepared. But if your motivation for being prepared is that you're afraid that that Jesus is going to come and the apocalypse is going to work in a certain way and that you're not going to, you're not going to be taken care like If your your primary motivation is fear, you need to reevaluate your heart. Because Jesus told us, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. He's not saying that there's not going to be wars. He's not saying there's not going to be rumors of wars. In fact, he says these things must happen. But you know what? Those those things have been must happening for 2,000 years. And sometimes we think we're going to be real smart, and we're going to somehow figure out God's plan, and we're going to know that this is it. But, but Jesus is saying these things are going to happen, but the end is still to come. A lot of times people talk about living in the end times. Are we living in the end times? Yes, yeah, we are. You know, we've been living in the end times since Jesus ascended into heaven from a theological statement. That, that, and it has been the end times. So Yes, we are, but it's been a 2,000 year end times. It may not end in 10 years. It might. It, it could end tomorrow. We don't. No. And I will tell you that in the first century of the church, they expected it to be the last century of the church. And in the 21st century of the church, we expect it to be the last century of the church. We don't want to respond out of fear. We want to respond out of love. Because Jesus could come back soon. So that makes our mission as a church to love people and to care for people and to tell them about Jesus so they can right now enter into the kingdom of God and have eternal life, it's important because we don't know when it's over. We don't know what's our last opportunity to, to act on Jesus' mission. And I think when it is all over, one of the greatest things in eternity is going to be every opportunity we took to live our life on Jesus' mission. That those are the things we're going to be able to look up back on and say, look what I got. What you focus on is important when we consider all of this stuff. What we focus on, what our priorities are. Remember a few months ago we had a talk about priorities. That often we'll say, I don't have time for this. But what we're really saying is, I prioritize this over that. I won't pull the cones out again. But one of our examples was, you know, sometimes we say, well, I don't really have time to pray. But we have time for Netflix. What that means is we've prioritized, we have time, we have prioritized Netflix over prayer. And we could have lots of fun with that again, but I won't be mean. But when Jesus says, do not be alarmed, he is also giving us some guidelines there about when stuff's going down in the world and it's hard, we have to remember that as Christians, we are Jesus's agents on his mission. He has empowered us by His Spirit for His mission. So our personal safety is not as important as living our life on Jesus' mission and purposes. Our wealth, our stuff, is not as important as living our life on Jesus' mission. And here's the hard one for us here in America. Our comfort is not as important as living our life on Jesus' mission. This is hard, because sometimes living our life in this fear state, and this is why we do this, this is often why we do this, we live in fear because fear gives us the illusion of control. If we're afraid, then, then we think, okay, well, I, I can, I'm afraid, so I can do this, 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 and this to alleviate my fear, so I can control this. Or sometimes faith feels out of control. and we say, Jesus, this is all yours, you are in control. I'm not. hard. That's very, that's really really hard. We must realize that in faith Jesus is the one who is in control. Jesus said this stuff must happen, which means those wars and rumors of wars, we can't pray them away. They're going to happen. He goes on to say more more good happy news here. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are just the beginning of birth pain. Everything since Jesus' ascension is a birth pain. The wars, the rumors of wars, the nation rising against the nation, kingdom against kingdom. Earthquakes in my hometown and famines. They're birth pain. Now, I've never personally given birth, right? Not fair, fair. No no one has any questions about that, I think. But I hear birth pains hurt. Some, Some of you ladies may be able to confirm that for me. They hurt. But eventually, they produce something beautiful. And that's how Jesus describes all of this. He describes wars, rumors of war, nations against nations, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines. He acknowledges these hurt. Jesus understands hurt. He came. He lived among us. He experienced the things we experienced. He was brutally killed. He understands pain. Because it's going to hurt but eventually it's going to produce something better than you could possibly imagine. And these truths are so important to the Christian faith. I know last week we mentioned Hebrews 6, and I'm going to mention it again, where the author of Hebrews lists off six fundamentals of the faith. Two of those fundamental, really important things of the faith are the resurrection of the dead and the final judgment. When, he's, when the author of Hebrews is writing, these are six important things that you've got to get. He says the resurrection of the dead, that's really important. Understand that we're not all going to die and become angels in heaven forever. We are, when we die, we are present with Jesus in, in our spirit. But someday, just as Jesus was resurrected into a physical body from the dead, we will also be resurrected into physical bodies from the dead. And by the way, there's a final judgment. At the end of the age, Jesus judges the living and the dead. At the end of the age, there's going to be something amazing where we are put in imperishable new bodies. And when Jesus is going to dispense justice to everything that has ever been unjust. So a little bit further, Jesus is continuing. He says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Not over till it's over. So wake up. It's not over till it's over. Don't let Jesus find you sleeping. We talk. We're talking a lot this year about being a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. That we are people who have given Jesus our time, our talent, our treasure, and our plans. Those four things, Jesus gets. All of them completely. That's living by faith, right? We're not trying to control our time. We're not trying to control our, what we do with our talents. We're not trying to control our money. We're not trying to control our plans. So it's all Jesus is. It's fully surrendered to him. Fully surrendered people are awake people. Because if the, all those things belong to Jesus, you're living your life on his mission. for so the Great Commission, to go into all nations with the gospel. Go next door to your neighbor. With the gospel. To go across a bridge. With the gospel. We can do it. Because you can't be asleep. And be on the mission of Jesus. Right? Can't do much when you're asleep. Sleep's great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But I don't get much done. I don't accomplish a whole lot. Jesus tells us to be awake. It's not over till it's over. So watch. And I want to be clear here. This is watch. Not predict. Not predict. A lot of people are watching so that they can write the next book about what's going to happen. A lot of people are watching because they're afraid. And they're trying to control what's going to happen to them. I think we watch so that we can be amazed by what Jesus does. I think our eyes are open so no matter what happens, we see God moving in our town, in our country, in our world. That we're not watching just for the wars and rumors of wars because Jesus told us that's going to happen. But we're looking for what Jesus is doing by His Spirit in the world today because if we look, we will find it. I think this is connected with being awake. I think if we're asleep, we can sometimes have our eyes shut and not see what God is doing right in front of us. I was thinking about the Gospel of Mark, and the Gospel of Mark has a lot of Jesus' miracles in it. You have a lot of people from wherever Jesus was at in the Judean countryside. And he would do these amazing things. What if you were in that town and you overslept and you missed one of the miracles of Jesus? You would be bummed out. Like Jesus came into town and there was a bunch of of lepers, and Jesus put his hand on them, and they weren't lepers anymore? And you could have, if you would have just gotten up an hour earlier, you would have caught that? And you missed it? Oh, man. We need to be awake so that we can watch what Jesus is doing. And it's funny, and maybe this is because I'm a pastor. But when I miss church, like, I was out of town. I was, at a, I, was at my, I was at my home church, and that was good. Uh, I, miss, I miss that church. I miss those people. But sometimes when I miss a week of church, I'm a little like, man. Because that's one, one point where in, in my community, in my family, for that one little slice of a week, I didn't get to see what Jesus is doing. So the question we always have to ask ourselves and we've gone, we've gone through this passage is, what does this look like for us tomorrow? What are our next steps that we can take from what we've heard today? And I want to encourage you, if you're here today, maybe you're still exploring the Christian faith. You wouldn't say, hey, Pastor Eric, I'm a Christian. That's okay, we're glad you're here. I would encourage you, maybe challenge you a little bit that the gospel, is what Christianity is really all about, it's waking up from a life of fear into a life of faith. It's about understanding that Jesus died for you, and because of that, you don't have to be afraid of God, you don't have to be afraid of death, you don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow, because once we enter into Christ, we're a new creation, and we can trust that He has us in His hand, and that the things that He promises are true. And that we can have new life, that we can believe in a resurrection from the dead. Not that there's never going to be wars or rumors of wars, there's never going to be birth pains, because we're going to encounter stuff that hurts, but knowing in those hurts that Jesus is in control. So if you're not a Christian today, you can be by just taking that one step and saying, Jesus, I don't have all the answers, but today I believe you're Lord, you're God, and that you can save me and forgive me. And he will. Maybe you need to wake up a little bit. You're, you would say, hey, Pastor Eric, I'm not fully surrendered. That, that time, that talent, treasure, the plans. usually for any person, one of those is the one that's the hardest. For some people, it's really easy to give up your plans to Jesus and maybe your money to Jesus. But, man... My talents, i, I got to get up in front of people and serve. That might be the one that you're on. Or maybe for you it's, it's, it's what you're going to do in your plant. But whatever it is, whatever you're holding on to so tightly, usually because of fear, maybe your next step today is to commit and say, Jesus, I let go. I let go. I let go. And that's a constant process, by the way. Some of you, and it might be okay. And it's okay to do this as we talk about being fully committed this whole year. Every week, you might need to say, "On um, your next step, that I'm committing to let go again this week." That's okay. I do that. I do that. I, I, there's stuff that every week I say, "God, I, I'm afraid. I gotta let this go." Maybe that's you. Maybe waking up for you is saying, "You know what? I've been at Element Church for a while, but I want to get fully engaged." And you need to go to something like Element next next Sunday, so you can learn more about the church, and uh, maybe you want to get on that path to being a member. Uh, by the way, membership at Element Church is all about service. We're not a country club, so actually, being a member means you're going to serve more, you're going to give more, you're going to engage more. Maybe you've believed in Jesus, and you've never taken that step of baptism. We're starting to get a, we have a couple of people signed up, so we're going to be doing a baptism service soon. Jesus commanded us to be baptized in water. You can let us know if you want to do that as your next step as well. Maybe for some of us, it's not just waking up, but it's about watching. Maybe your next step is to say, hey, Pastor Eric, I want to pray that God would open my eyes, that I could see what He's doing. Because when I look, I'm not watching through the right eyes, and all I'm seeing is the wrong thing. Maybe watching for you, Is you need to change your perspective of how you come to church. Maybe when you come to church, you need to watch more. Instead of just coming because you're coming, you need to come to church because you're expecting that God is going to do something in your heart this week. Maybe that's the same thing, but it's in life groups. Maybe. You need to say, hey, you know what? I need to step up and into a life group so I can see what God can do in me when I'm actually connected with other people who are strong believers. We need to wake up and we need to watch. Pray with me.